0: Hello, listeners and fellow explorers. This is Living in the Sprawl's lovely and talented producer slash fiance, Lisa Lowe. I wanted to thank all of you for your constant support of the show. As a new podcast on the scene, the number one way to support the show is to rate, review and share this podcast with everyone you know. Many of you have been doing this and it has helped immensely. You can also check out our website and the show notes for other ways to support the show. We have new merch on our website, and we are working with companies that we currently use ourselves to get discount codes for our listeners and support the research and work we do for the show in the process. These companies include Every Table Meal Delivery Service, which offers delicious, cost-effective meals delivered straight to your door, Just CBD Store, which offers great-tasting CBD-only gummies in a variety of flavors, and Miss to Mrs. Boxes for Brides to Be. My sister Jennifer surprised me with this box when I got engaged, and it was the most perfect, thoughtful gift. You can also support us on Patreon and Podfan. Please check out the website at LivingInTheSprawlPodcast.com for updates on companies we are working with, our testimonies, links, codes, and new Living in the Sprawl merchandise. Again, thank you to all of you, our lovely listeners, for tuning in every week and allowing us to do what we love. Without further ado, your humble correspondent, John Steinberg.
1: Hello, and welcome to another installment of Living in the Sprawl, Southern California's most adventurous podcast. I am your humble correspondent and host. My name is John Steinberg. Sitting alongside me is my lovely ...and immensely talented producer slash fiancé. Her name is Lisa Lowe. Pleased to be with you guys on yet another excursion into the Southland. And I like to do these roughly once a month. The last one being our episode where we focused on Southern California's best beaches. But I like to call these Red Meat Episodes... Red meat meaning it's going to appeal to the widest array of individuals. Whether it's healthy for you or whether it's not, people are interested in the phenomenal array of parks that we are lucky enough to have at our disposal here in Southern California. So, how did we compile this list exactly? What constitutes an outstanding park? So glad you asked. First of all, we want, and this is true in all things, we want the experience to be unique. There are hundreds of parks in every nook and cranny throughout the state, and the southern part of the state, But what sets these particular parks apart is they bring something to the table that the others simply do not. And this list will illustrate 10 such examples of that. Now, if you're somebody who has gone backpacking through Europe or traveled by train across the Asian subcontinent, you undoubtedly have experienced a whole different galaxy of things to appreciate. If you're in Europe, history is paramount. You've got a couple thousand years worth of events that you can study, reflect upon, dissect, and learn about at your leisure. While we, we being the United States of America, are a young country, our contributions are vast, true, But I think it's safe to say we lag far behind our European and Asian counterparts in this regard. But what we can offer, in addition to our beautiful cadre of beaches, are an enormous amount of enviable park grounds. And this is true probably nowhere in the United States more than Southern California. So, let's begin our assessment of the top 10 parks in Southern California. Beginning at number 10, we head to the 909, the Inland Empire. And before we get going, I wanted to provide listeners with examples of great parks all across our specific terrain. So, in theory, I could have done 10 best Los Angeles parks, 10 best Orange County, San Diego, San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, and so on and so forth. But, in an effort to be judicious and spread the love around, I chose to center the focus throughout the southern part of the state. So, we begin in the Inland Empire, in a city called Redlands, where we stop for a bite to eat at the nine-and-a-half-acre Smiley Park in the center of the city. A couple features notable at the park. The Smiley Library on hand is on the National Register of Historic Places. And part of the reason that it's on there is because it contains the largest collection of Abraham Lincoln related paraphernalia west of the Mississippi. So think of it as the Abe Lincoln Outdoor Presidential Library West, if you will. In addition to that, there are a number of trails and places to lounge. And if you have the desire to take a quick jaunt around the area... The lovely Greenlands are flanked by homes that are all actually on the National Register of Historic Places because the whole area is an example of a historical overlay zone, meaning all of the properties within this particular zone are on that most hallowed of lists that we seemingly refer to all the time here The National Register of Historic Places. Now nine and a half acres may seem like a substantial area of space and if we're talking about residential properties well yes that is the case but this will be our smallest park as some of the places that we're going to discuss are significantly larger than nine acres. But if we're talking Inland Empire, and we're talking parks, if you want to avoid going up into the mountains, then the choices are not what they are in other portions of Southern California. So, from experience, the one that I can vouch for is the Smiley Park in Redlands, California. A nice, quaint little town that doesn't get mentioned with Riverside or San Bernardino or some of the larger population centers in the Inland Empire. But if you are interested in what I'll call a nice little Saturday, you could do much, much worse than a stop at Smiley Park. And for those of you that are fans of the 16th President, this is a must visit. So, Starting our list at number 10 in Redlands with Smiley Park. At number 9, we head a bit north to Fresno, where we post up at Woodward Park. So, Smiley Park was 9.5 acres. This is roughly 300 acres, so a little bit larger, safe to say. The first time that I ever had the fortune of visiting Fresno, this was the first place where I was taken. Told about its connection with cross-country running, that apparently CIF high school races often take place at Woodward Park. Was also taken to a friendship garden which I believe was the first time that I had ever had the privilege of setting foot inside a friendship garden. Needless to say, it was exquisite, something you would not expect to find anywhere remotely close to the Central Valley, and yet there it was. Woodward Park is really one of the points of pride for Fresno residents. There was a period in my life where I went to Fresno a couple times a year, and each time I found myself longing for that first experience at Woodward Park. For inside that vast terrain of 300 acres... There are all the expected accoutrements that you'd reasonably anticipate finding at a park. Places to picnic, hike, walk, run, bike, throw the football or baseball around, and it's debatable. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is the nicest public part of Fresno. So, if you find yourself in the Central Valley and you're in need of some shade and a sandwich, I would recommend taking something amazing over to Woodward Park and having a great time. At number eight, Orange County's Great Park. Great public works project, great one-time political football, but ultimately... Yes, it is Irvine's Great Park. Now, this was an issue that many Orange County residents were discussing when I was still growing up inside of the area. So this park is located on the former El Toro Marine Station. In 1993, it was recommended that the El Toro facility be decommissioned. And when it was in 1999, a great many individuals sought to impose their own influence on what should we do with this now barren location. After much debate, Quite a bit of acrimony, and over a billion dollars, the Great Park of Orange County, but it's located in Irvine, now actually exists. For the longest time, this seemed like it was going to be a West Coast example of Massachusetts Great Dig, the project that would forever remain a project without ever actually becoming a reality. But as time and that aforementioned billion dollars would have it, the Great Park is now very much a reality. So we are talking 1,300 acres in the great city of Irvine where all of the expected activities that you might be interested in if you are so inclined to spend a day at the park, all of those are available 1,300. 100 acres is quite a lot, but the reason why this park made it onto the list was the touches, the special, unique qualities and attributes that make this a singular destination. Case in point, the balloon ride. This was the first activity slash attraction that opened in earnest in 2007 at the Great Park and you have the privilege if you so desire of sitting in a balloon that takes you 500 feet off the ground providing you with luminous views that carry out toward the Pacific Ocean in one direction and the Orange County sprawl in the other haven't had a chance to take the balloon ride as of yet but there was this one time when i was in albuquerque new mexico and i took a hot air balloon ride it was uh, really one of the cooler experiences i've had in life so i have to imagine this balloon ride is quite wonderful additionally the five points amphitheater is now open, this being the seeming replacement for the Irvine Meadows Amphitheater, which was probably my favorite amphitheater in the world growing up, but is no more. But the Five Points Amphitheater is now in existence for all of your concert-going needs. I know they just had Fish Fest, On the grounds and bands like Dave Matthews and Imagine Dragons and all of the acts that tour amphitheaters will now absolutely have five points on their tour itinerary. And there's also been a indoor hockey arena. Well, it's more of a practice facility slash arena set up to house the needs of the Anaheim Mighty Ducks who have now been using it as a practice facility for a couple of years. There's also a small but formidable soccer stadium within the bounds of the great park that plays host to Orange County SC in their title, Pursuit. This is a park that was imagined as being comparable to Oh, Central Park in New York City or Stanley Park in Vancouver. And many decades will need to pass into the record books for a comparison like that to even be probably legitimate. But all of the trappings are there for the great park to live up to its name in time as the... 1,300 acres leave room for everything you could possibly imagine, including the most bright future conceivable. So, as was the case in the inaugural episode of Living in the Sprawl, where we talked about North Hollywood and wanting to maybe do kind of a futures bet for the prosperity of that particular neighborhood... I would lend the same line of thinking to the Great Park. Perhaps it is not currently at its zenith, but I anticipate it will get there with time to spare. Number seven, we head even further south going to Escondido, where we lock in at Kit Carson Park. Another smaller entry to the list, certainly nothing in the way of a uh, 1,300-acre territory that we're talking about here, but what it lacks in size, it makes up for in charm, and in sculptures. The Kit Carson Park is home to the Queen Califia Sculpture Garden which was the last project ever designed by prominent French artist, whose name I can't really pronounce, but it's not hard to find this person and the spelling of their name, if you so desire. There are 10 sculptures inside the garden, with the most prominent being that of Queen Califia, who, according to California lore, was the Guardian of California. Actually, the same story which gave us Queen Califia gave us the name California to begin with. And the sculpture here is just a masterpiece, something that you might expect to find at the Getty. I mean, at the Louvre, but at the very least, the Getty. And yet, here it is in Escondido of all places. In addition to the Grand Sculpture Garden, there's a world-class skateboarding, well, okay, skate park. I was going to say skateboarding facility and that strikes me as silly. Why don't you just say skate park? And so I will. But that is on hand as are basketball courts, baseball fields, tennis courts. So if you find yourself in this part of the state, or if you're a resident, you're probably already aware of it, all athletic endeavors are on the table. Escondido is kind of an archetype of a San Diego suburb, different from Los Angeles, different from Orange County. A San Diego suburb is one where you completely forget that you are going to be thought of as part of San Diego bears very little in the way of uh, resemblance to San Diego proper but it's only a handful of miles away and trust me you want to see the Queen Khalifa statue it really is that cool and that's why we recommend it on Living in the Sprawl's list of our favorite parks. Number six let's go north to Santa Barbara let's check out Shoreline Park. Again, on the smaller side, it's only 14 and a half acres, but it's got a great view of the Pacific Ocean. And the park is perched right above Ladbetter Beach and might offer the best views of any park that we're going to highlight on this list. It's quite popular with local residents of Santa Barbara. And though it's smaller in comparison to a couple other places that we could have selected for inclusion on this list, that view, which when you're looking out at those Channel Islands or Catalina, the possibilities seem limitless. Unfortunately, there have been some safety-related issues with this park chiefly, A 2008 landslide that thankfully didn't cause any fatalities, but it scared a number of individuals concerned with the park's welfare and some safety measures were enacted to prevent any collateral damage from happening if there should ever be another landslide. So though 2008... Might seem like a long time ago, it's not, but I would trust in the wisdom of the newly implemented safety precautions on hand at Shoreline Park. A favorite also with both students and younger and older residents alike. It offers great places for picnic lunches and games of Ring Around the Rosie. If you are so interested in competing in one of those, Shoreline Park, check out that view of the Channel Islands, doesn't get much better, and that's why it's on the list. Number five, Griffith Park. I would call this a Los Angeles treasure, but it's sort of too large to be thought of as a treasure. This park is 4,200 acres. It's larger than Central Park, it's larger than Stanley Park, it's much larger than San Francisco's Golden Gate Park. On hand, you've got everything from the Greek theater, horseback riding, and if you're so interested, riding a Surrey, as your humble correspondent and host and his lovely and talented producer slash did roughly a year ago. A lot of fun. Highly recommend uh, a nice jaunt on a Surrey if you feel so inclined. Griffith Park is one of the most filmed places in the United States. Out of 365 days, 346 of them were allocated for filming crews to come in and take shots for their film, commercial, television show, etc., etc. This is Los Angeles and this is the large park. So of course it's going to be used as a filming location. The park is so large that it hits different cities. It hits a multitude of neighborhoods. You could be kind of near the Los Feliz side of the park and then drive a few miles on the other side of the park and find out that voila, you're in Burbank. There are a number of museums on the premises, including the Gene Autry Museum of the West, which, when I went, I got a big kick out of the placard describing Gene Autry as the happy singing cowboy. I thought about this and started laughing because I just watched the movie Tombstone. There's also the Travel Town Train Museum and... The Pickwick Ice Skating Center is also available for those of you that wish to carve it up out on the ice. Griffith Park is kind of all things to all people. With 4,200 acres to spare, you could conceivably exist in an entirely different world if you're on one end of the park to another. The park was a gift from disgraced philanthropist Griffith J. Griffith, and it has survived a couple of pretty devastating fires. One that took place in the 30s, one that came about in the 1960s. As we discussed on a previous episode of the show, the old abandoned Griffith Zoo is within the grounds of the park, But then there's also the active, not abandoned Los Angeles Zoo, which is also technically within the grounds of the park. So because of its sheer size and overwhelming array of activities, this park can be no lower than number five on any such list of California's, Southern California's greatest parks. And with 4,200 acres, it's definitely our largest. Number four, back up north. This time it's Ojai Libby Park, 200 plus acres of breathtakingly beautiful scenery, and it's in downtown Ojai. Ojai has justifiably garnered a reputation as a nature wonderland, a place for the healthiest members of our society. That's right, it's the ultimate green, hipster, inland paradise. And there's no better example of that than Libby Park a place that was donated to the city of Ohio by enormous benefactor Edward G. Libby in the year of our Lord, 1917. Because that's always how it seemingly works. Griffith J. Griffith, Edward G. Libby, Smiley Park. These are all named after the biggest of bigwigs. But in the case of Libby Park, that original gift... Laid the seed for a cornucopia to come a bit later. On hand, the Libby Bowl plays host to annual music festivals, and Libby Park is the home court for the annual. Ohi Tennis Tournament, which is the largest amateur tennis tournament in the country. It's been going on since the turn of the century. Wait, not the turn of this century, the one before it. It's been going on since 1898 and is a fixture on the Ohi social calendar every single year. Within the grounds, there are a plethora of locations to stop, post up, reflect dig deep and become the best version of yourself for in fact there are reflection ponds located inside the park and i saw pictures of some really nifty croquet going on at libby park so all the sports all the picnicking the walking the inward examinations it's all on hand for the healthiest version of ourselves at Ohio's Libby Park. Number three, Wildwood Park. This is technically located in a couple different places, but for the sake of this particular argument, we will say that it's chiefly within the bounds of Thousand Oaks city limits. Although part of it bleeds on to Moore Park and Newberry Park. This 1,700-acre monstrosity was once home to Precious Little. And this is why it made for an ideal backdrop to film westerns. Bonanza, Gunsmoke, Rawhide, they all shot here. As did movies like The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. And a number of other prominent television shows and films. But in the 60s, the park really came into its own. Efforts were made to turn it into a place that ordinary people could come and utilize one of the 14 different hiking trails on hand. This is one of the better hiking locations outside of the Los Angeles area that is still within driving distance for Angelenos. Lizard Rock is a staple of the park because it's a rock that looks like a lizard. And who doesn't love that? Even the kids would love that, I have to assume. Mount Clef Ridge offers beautiful panoramic views of the surrounding sprawl. Well, when I say sprawl, it's a little bit misleading. So the surrounding landscape, I think, is a more genuine, if ambiguous, way to look at it. But great views. You've got Paradise Falls, beautiful, breathtaking 70-foot waterfall inside the park. Over a hundred different animal species who call Wildwood Park home. And it's only half an hour from Los Angeles without traffic. The hikes here range in difficulty with some of the longer ones being upward of five miles and the shorter trips closer to one and a half or two miles. But for all hiking levels... Wildwood Park has you covered and its remarkable beauty is nearly unparalleled in Ventura County but this park which exists within the Simi Hills all the way over to the Santa Susana Mountains will take your breath away no matter what time of day you choose to explore Thousand Oaks And it's Divine Wildwood Park. Number two, back down to San Diego. One of the real landmark, actually, this is also on the National Register of Historic Places, a park and the park grounds, two independent entries on the National Register of Historic Places. Wow, it's like Bruce Springsteen gets into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the E Street Band. They get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as well. And did you know that Bruce Springsteen wrote a song called Balboa Park? That's right. We're talking about San Diego's 1,400-acre behemoth Balboa Park. 17 museums, all the culture you could possibly imagine, and the cultural cachet to make this a must-visit on any trip to San Diego. For this is where, in one day's time, and without a vehicle, you can check out the Museum of Us, which used to be known as the Museum of Man, the world-famous San Diego Zoo. And a concert at the Spreckles Amphitheater, which it seems like Spreckles owns almost everything. John D. Spreckles. We'll talk about him in a different podcast, but a lot of things named after Spreckles in San Diego. And of course, there has to be something within the bounds of Balboa Park that bears his name. Also, it must be a rule written somewhere. The park really got going around 1870, but... Its ascension truly started during preparations for the Pan-American Convention, Fair and Convention. Seem like similar things if you analyze it in a certain way. But the Pan-American Fair in 1915 was, during this fair, efforts were made to appeal to the world. Turned San Diego into the envy of every man, woman, and child anywhere on the globe. These world's fairs, Pan American fairs, were an example for cities to shine. And San Diego was no such exception as buildings were commissioned by architects that we love here on the Sprawl Podcast... Like Lloyd Wright, he had a hand in designing some of the buildings that were created for the 1915 fair. And Kate Sessions came in, and she's kind of regarded as the queen of Balboa Park. And again, in 1935, they had another fair. This one attended by former President Herbert Hoover and a large array of influential American citizens. Actually, FDR kicked off the celebration, punching a key at the White House to signify that the fair had indeed been underway. As time marched forward, some of these buildings were not able to survive. They've been built for these elaborate fairs. They weren't meant to stand the test of time. They were kind of like a big old advertising ploy, which had worked, but these buildings were not meant to exist for 100 years. So as the decades continued to pass, new buildings were erected within the park, And after enough of the older structures had ceased to exist, preservationists got together and decided, okay, now that we have built structures meant to stand the test of time, let's make sure no one messes with them. And that's what got the whole of Balboa Park put on the National Register of Historic Places in the 1970s. Bruce Springsteen's Balboa Park, which is on his Ghost of Tom Joad album, sings about a somewhat fraught time in the park's history. Vandalism had been an active part of Balboa Park's existence in the 70s and 80s. There were some violent incidents that took place. Its reputation went in a different direction, and that's what Springsteen was crooning about on the track that he recorded. But enough citizens got together and took control of the park back, so that now it again, as it always was supposed to be, is a real jewel in the crown of San Diego, California's most beautiful city. Just my opinion, but I do firmly believe that. So, if you find yourself in that part of the state, Balboa Park is where you go for all things culture. And if the zoo is any indication, because I know it is, all things fun. And number one, da 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 dum, and we bring to you Kenneth Hahn Regional Park in the Baldwin Hills section of Los Angeles. 370 acres deep. The park is a personal favorite of your humble correspondent and host and his wonderful producer slash fiance. Maybe the best view in the entire city can be had from a certain vantage point above a meadow kind of near the Martin Luther King statue where you're able to look out with an unobstructed window into downtown Los Angeles and the surrounding San Gabriel Mountains. This park was originally the site of the first Olympic Village in 1932. There was a dam that was located in the area. Unfortunately, there was a disaster involving the dam, which altered future plans for the area. It was through the efforts of people like city council member Kenneth Hahn that support for the construction and upkeep of a city park that this lovely mid-city destination was created. Today, you have the option of doing all the things at a park that you'd expect You can have a spectacular lunch there, dinner there, breakfast there. You can have a great meal there. All the sports are available. Certainly a tremendous place to be able to throw a vortex football to your son, friend, brother, or sister if you would like. And this was the park seen in the iconic 1992 music video for Nothing But a G-Thing by Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. And it looks a lot like it did at the time. We love this particular park. Uh, We've been there with friends and it's a place that we will be returning to again and again as time marches forward. That's going to do it for us here at Living in the Sprawl. A few things before we bid you adieu. I want to thank everyone for their continued support. It really does mean the world to us when you get on iTunes, give us a five-star review. That type of thing really, really can serve as a benefit for us here. It helps us ascend up the chart. And that exposes us to more and more listeners. If you would like to correspond with us, we do love answering all of our emails and messages. You can find us at Living in the Sprawl Podcast on Instagram. Our email is very surprising Living in the Sprawl Podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to send us any suggestions for topics that you would like to hear covered on episodes, Or if you would just like to tell your humble correspondent and host that he's doing a nice job. Any of that would be absolutely wonderful to hear. Wanted to remind everyone that we have mugs. We have merch. And these are, because this is living in the sprawl, these are no ordinary mugs. These are special, uniquely designed mugs by the producer of this podcast... And you can check them out at our website and you can get one for yourself. And I recommend that you do your humble correspondent and host and the lovely and talented producer of this podcast. Use them every single night of every week, of every month, of every year. So anything living in the sprawl related, just go to the website and we have got you covered there. So that's going to do it until next time. I am your humble correspondent and host. My name is John Steinberg sitting alongside my lovely and talented producer slash fiance. Her name is Lisa Lowe. Have a good one from us here at Living on the Sprawl, Southern California's most adventurous podcast. Talk to you next time.